Welcome to the oh, hey there. podcast episode 20, 20 or 21. I think it's 20. Either way, it is 21. The Frank Gore edition of the Oh Hey, oh, hey There podcast. Um, as always, we are thankful for all of our Niners Nation listeners and the Oh Hey There podcast. We just reached over 1 million downloads on the Niners Nation podcast network. So we do appreciate all you guys tuning in, your reviews, your sharing, playing it on the ride home, yelling at us in our Twitter mentions. We appreciate all of it. Uh, another big, big, big news. My co-host, Leo Luna, is not with us this week. He is being a father. I mean, he's been a father for nine years, but he just had another uh, baby boy. So congratulations to my guy, Leo Luna, on his second child, uh, who graced this earth, uh, I want to say, on Friday. I texted him Thursday. I said, hey, man. Just want to wish you guys luck, et cetera, et cetera, because he was about seven to 10 days away from, not he, his wife was about seven to 10 days to deliver. And I'm like, man, I had a feeling that morning. I texted him and then literally the night, the same night he texted me, he's like, hey, uh, we're in the hospital. She, her water broke. So so congratulations to Leo and his family uh, on their blessing during this holiday season. Uh, We send him well wishes. But tonight we do have a special guest. You may know him uh, from, from Twitter, my guy, Vish Kumaran. Vish, what is going on, buddy? What's up, Javi? Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be on with you. Um, congrats to Leo. It's an honor to be stepping in in this place today. I'm holding the fourth down, fort down while uh, he goes and takes care of more important things, <laughs> i.e. Uh, having a child, which is amazing. Congrats. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for coming in, man. Uh, last minute, too, you know, it was like we, we kind of planned this. I was like, hey, Rob, uh, we may need a fill-in once the baby's here and he's like, yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I'm like, all right. First person I thought it was Vish and thanks Vish for coming in. Um, so the Niners did lose their sixth game of the season after a three game win streak. They do go up to Seattle. Um, 23 30 this one, it's been a while since I got out of my seat during a game, right? Because this team has been not, I shouldn't say boring, but they, they just haven't had these games where you kind of worried about in the fourth quarter. That last drive of the game got me out of my seat. I was like, all right, let's do this, Jimmy. Let's get this done. And then, of course, they fall short at the end of the game here. Um, Vish, what went wrong in this game? Because I have a lot of thoughts, but I want to hear what you thought. What went wrong with this team in this game? Was it just, were they unprepared? Were they just undisciplined? What, what do you think? Yeah, Javi. So I really thought that they were just uh, very undisciplined in this football game. I mean, you look at some of the errors. I mean, the special teams errors, uh, the it's it was in every phase of special teams right they gave large kickoff returns to dj dallas mitch wishnowski had two punts under 40 yards back to back one which was supposed to be a flip the field position punt after the uh much maligned play call that i'm sure is going to be the one talk focused on all week which was the jimmy g reed option on fourth and one and then they got the double snap break which led to that fourth and five punt and Mitch Wisnowski punted, punted it 31 yards, which wasn't ideal. Robbie Gold missed an extra point. Every phase of special teams failed in this game. Obviously, they gave up the uh, fake punt for a touchdown. Um, in a bigger picture, I, I, I think that the, the reason the undisciplined is scary is because the two and five start happened because the 49ers were undisciplined, right? They beat themselves. Like you have the penalty when, you know, Seattle's driving at the end of the half. It's not really a situation that you would expect them to score, but you spot them 30 yards. And we see consistently those type of mental errors. And I think that's the biggest reason to uh, honestly why they lost. It's that undisciplined. And I think it's scary because it's a consistent theme with this football team. And we thought it was fixed. Yeah, I mean, we thought it was fixed. This is part of why I haven't been. Leo will, te- will attest to this, and Rob, and everyone else in our nation will attest. To this. I haven't been super sold on this team during their three-game win streak because I've always felt like you're going to need more from your quarterback. You're going to need more from your special teams. There's there's something lacking on this team, and it all of it showed up in one game, right? The special teams miscues, the third down conversions were super low again. They went from fifty percent conversion rate over the last three weeks of nineteen for thirty-eight back down to 30% of 3 of 10 versus Seattle. So now you can't get into an offensive rhythm because you're you're not moving the chains, right? And then all the third down distances were eight yarders or further for the most part. I think on average, mm-hmm. their third down conversion distance was eight and a half yards. You, that's not Jimmy's forte, right? I did the numbers of breakdown right. on Twitter. You guys can go check it out. I went through the whole season and then the last three weeks that they were winning. One through six yards, they were 
outstanding. They were literally over 50%. You, that's how you win ball games, and that's how you're able to earn the right to run the ball the way they did. Special teams that's all how you season. have a high EPA. Yeah, exactly. EPA is a big deal right now um, on Niners Twitter. Um, but the the biggest, the, I think the biggest thing really what kind of set this game back was special teams. That fumble out of the half is disastrous because the Niners, the, the way the Niners have won recently is they defer the kickoff to open the game. They get the kickoff at the, to begin the second half. But prior to that, prior to that second half starting, the Niners usually end up with the ball to end the half. They get either three or seven. They come back out and double up on a team, get three or seven. This week, they score the really fast touchdown with Kittle. They give a minute and 30 or so to Seattle. They score. You come out in half. You fumble. Luckily, the Niners get an interception, but that still turned into a safety. So now it's a nine-point swing in less than four minutes of game time? And that, 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 that sets you back. It's special teams. I don't. I'm not. I'm not of the uh, mindset to fire people, but Richard Hightower's seat has to be hot. It needs to be hot. They need to figure something out now. Robbie Gold missing one extra point this game, big deal. That's his first one all season, but he has been inconsistent the last couple years. Special teams. We haven't had a kickoff return for a touchdown since Richie James in 2018. That was the Seattle game. I know that game because my son was born the next day. Um, you have Dante Pettis fumbling a ball in Seattle. Remember, he like literally dies on the field. Like this, this special teams has been atrocious for years. And if 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 there's a hierarchy of firings, Richard Hightower has to be at the top. And I'm not like I said, I'm not out to, for guys to lose their jobs, but someone needs to be held accountable for special teams. Why do the Patriots and these the Ravens and so on and so forth win so many games? Because they value special teams. The Niners haven't valued special teams for a long time. I would I would I, not care if they wasted a fifth round pick on a designated punt return or kick returner. Like do that. I actually disagree with you uh, on the special teams. I understand that it was really bad um, uh, Sunday versus Seattle, and you know there were a couple of bad moments against Minnesota too. Um, obviously, the special teams and Kyle Shanahan's uh, tenure with the 49ers at its best. It's just conservative and doesn't do anything positively or negatively in the game. I mean, you have very conservative punting. You have a kicker that's very accurate from 45 and less, especially 50 and less, especially the last couple of years with Robbie Gold. Um, and, you know, your returners don't fumble. They're very good at fair catching. See Trent Taylor, a phenomenal fair catcher. But um, And that's how they win. And you brought up the examples of New England and uh, Baltimore. I think that's where a little bit – um, Kyle Shanahan being so focused on his play calling to go with being the head coach. Sometimes there's some drawbacks because John Harbaugh is a former special teams coordinator. Bill Belichick was a special teams coordinator back in the day with the Giants. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan doesn't have as much maybe expertise compared to those guys in that area. But really what gets me and um, I, I think the real reason we can put it on the special teams is the fact that the Niners have had to start so many backups which has led to a lot of guys who are core special team guys having to play defense, right? Flanagan Fowles has been a core special teams guy all season. Now he had to start and play. I mean, Dante Johnson played a lot of this game on defense. He's a core special teams guy. They missed Marcel Harris, who was hurt. He's a core special teams guy. So you go down the list and, you know, Trent Sherfield started and played a lot of snaps in this game. He's a core special teams guy. So you go down the list and I just feel like it's a case of the fact that you know, you have um, so many uh, guys uh, hurt that are starters and you're having to play your backups in depth. I feel like, you know, special teams requires a level of synchronization and quanti- and continuity too, like all things in football. And so I think that's where, you know, you can see some of these special teams there because errors, because might I remind you, this was the same special teams that stopped the Rams uh fake field goal with DJ Jones being alert and running down, running him down just two weeks ago. Fair. Very fair, Vish. I'm getting owned on my own show by Vish. It's all good. Um, but, I, you know, I would have some little bit of pushback there. You know, should your special teams struggle this much two weeks in a row by having a couple guys not playing their normal roles on special teams? It's kind mm-hmm. of my question about the 49ers offense. Should the Niners offense struggle – by missing Debo Samuel so much, right? Like those questions come to my brain here. Like 
I understand what you're saying with DFF playing defense and Marcel Harris being out and Dante Johnson have to take some snaps. But are they are those guys a net positive on special or are they a net negative by not being on special teams? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, DJ Jones making that alert play, which was an amazing play that he made, but he still was playing special teams this week too. You know what I mean? And he's still taking his normal snaps on defense. So DFF and Dante Johnson and and Marcel Harris not being, I guess I have to take a look at their snap counts, but I think they still played special teams. They just got caught slipping this week, mm-hmm. and they got caught slipping last week too. So I would like to see an improvement in special teams on this team, especially with what we have on offense, right? Like the offense only works when the run game is going, third down conversions are happening. When you need to flip the field and you need to protect the ball on special teams, this team has fumbled twice against the Seahawks this year. That's a big reason they lost the first game was because of special teams. And a big reason they lost this game was because of special teams. Like that's, that's, you've lost two games specifically on the back of, I shouldn't say on the back of, but part of the reason you lost those two games was because of a Trent Cannon fumble. You have a Travis Benjamin fumble, a missed field goal. And then you have the, um, the fake punt return by Travis Homer, by the, by the Seahawks. So special teams has been an issue for most of the season. No, and, you know, I agree with you. It's been an issue. I just, look, I think Hightower does deserve some culpability. But to me, it it falls into this theme of the question you asked me at the beginning of the show, right? Special teams errors, to me, are directly attributed to a team that's undisciplined. And to me, that falls on the head coach when a team is undisciplined. Like, I saw some things about, you know, people saying like, oh, Kyle Shanahan got outcoached yesterday. I thought Seattle was a very undisciplined team yesterday. I thought they made a lot of mental errors themselves. I think where the frustration comes is since 2017, you know, when the Niners were the greatest 0-9 team of all time, right? Um, The Niners have been a little bit undisciplined and uh, just making enough negative plays to beat themselves in football games, right? We thought in 2017 it was because they weren't as talented as a lot of the teams they were playing. And we attributed it to the fact that they were playing a lot of young players and that caused, you know, young players learning a complicated system. So that caused the uh, mistakes that caused them to lose games. But then here we are five years later, you know, and this team still continues to make mental errors like Arden keys, roughing the pass for penalty to me, that shouldn't happen. He had clearly released the ball and it felt like Arden Key just wanted to take a cheap helmet to helmet shot on Russell Wilson. That's what that uh, play really felt like. So when you consistently see those mental errors to me, that's a head coach thing. And uh, I'm hoping it gets fixed. They did fix it for three games. So I don't think that this loss is that big of a deal, honestly, especially with Minnesota losing. So like even they are undisciplined, it keeps showing itself, but I'd take the good with the bad. No, that's fair. And I will say this is this game is kind of a big deal um, because now you're one in four in the division, right? Okay. And okay. for, listen, Russell Wilson is still alive and breathing. Regardless of how much we think they don't play well or play good football, there is a, there is a world or there's a, there's a reality here or there's a, you know, there's a universe where maybe Russell Wilson and the Seahawks go on this five-game win streak and the Niners lose one more game, and we're in last place, and we don't make the playoffs, right? Because you lost these games that you should mm-hmm. not have lost, like the Arizona game against Colt McCoy, and then this game against a bad Seahawks team. And it was something that I brought up. So we'll get to the we'll get to the 49ers offense right now because that second half was an absolute disaster. But I wanted to, you know, 49ers Twitter, and there's a lot of folks on there who were a little bit too high on or just kind of wanting to dunk on the Seahawks right now, the Seahawks defense isn't, wasn't as bad as people made it out to be, right? They were 32nd in yards, but they were like 6th in red zone defense, right? And then if, you, if you're into DVOA, they were um, 11th versus the run. Like, they, they, knew, they could set the edges, and you saw that. The Niners ran the ball yesterday for 71 yards, on 25 attempts for 2.8 average. Like, that's not normal for the Niners, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas the Seahawks got 146 on 27 attempts at 5.4 a clip. The Seahawks play this 5-2. I mean, Vish, you've you watched plenty of Seahawks football. You know how they like to set the edges. They know how to stop the outside zone. 
And we also know that our interior offensive line isn't that great on the right side of the offensive line. So we were going to expect some more gap scheme from the Niners this week. They tried it. It didn't work. And then now you put this game on the shoulders of your quarterback, who you, whom you don't trust, and we know that Kyle doesn't trust him, to make some big throws. He, although he made a few this game. I didn't, I didn't like the narrative going into the game that the Seahawks, it's, it's over for them, this and then the third. Granted, I wanted it to be over for them. I lived up in Seattle for five years. Great city, awesome food, but that fan base is atrocious at times. It's like, all right, man, <laughs> enough. Um, but I, I just thought... I. More the defense struggled for Seattle because the offense for Seattle was so bad, not the other way around, right? Like, yeah, I just don't. I think I'm not going to question Kyle's play calling outside of the one play call. I think we're we'll talk about it here in a second, but the Niners' run offense was just non-existent, and this goes to the question we brought up a little bit ago about the special teams. How does your does your offense just stop working when Debo Samuel is in here? Like how? For Kyle Shanahan being this offensive-minded and offensive genius, your offense should not look like this with one guy missing. Am I crazy, so, Vish? I Am I crazy? Am I going nuts? Looked, I, I didn't think it looked that bad. Obviously. It didn't either. I, really I, didn't I don't think, think so either. I didn't think it looked terrible, but the run game was just like... But we also know this, this team needs to run the ball to get in those third and short situations for them to have success. And they couldn't do that consistently, and that was their problem. The passing game was fine for, for, some, for some spurts, but... Bad situational turnovers and bad situational penalties on defense cost this team too. Yeah, so um, I agree with you. Bad situational penalties, all of that. Um, the thing I will say, Seattle's got a really, really good run defense, and uh, they do a pretty good job against this run game. They've gone up against it a lot. A lot. They have that special number fifty-four, who somehow I thought he lost a step at the beginning of this year. He hasn't lost a step. He's been playing really, really good. Bobby Wagner, I mean, I was saying this on Twitter Spaces last night. I think he's one of the 10 or 11 best defensive players I've seen in my lifetime. I'm only 21, so I haven't seen like that many, that many players. But I think Bobby Wagner is one of the 10 or 11 best I've seen. He is so special. But um, going back, uh, the offense, like, I think that, you know, it's not that Kyle Shanahan can't be genius. I think you, at the end of the day, right, like, you do need some personnel. And Debo Samuel right now, to me, is an MVP candidate. I think he's having a historic season. But something I've harped on, you know, ever since I've gotten into talking about the 49ers in a public forum is I believe he's the most important player uh, on this 49ers offense. I think he's the engine that makes everything go. And I think it's because everything in the run game that they do is built around his ability to go in motion, his ability to run the ball from the backfield, um, his ability to line up anywhere in the slot, go in motion. Like you can line him up anywhere in this offense. He's a threat to get the ball at any point of any level of the field, but especially dangerous short and over the middle of the field. And then behind the line of scrimmage, obviously, whether it's in the run or pass game. And without that element, like sure, like Ayuk is pretty, has been pretty good uh, the last few weeks. And George Kittle is obviously still top two, top best tight end in the NFL, unbelievable player. Been putting on a blocking clinic, finally got in the receiving game, uh, extra touches in the receiving game last week. But you, so you, all of those things are fair. Like he's got that. But I, I think that Debo Samuel is the one thing that puts it over the top. And if you're not, if you don't have him and you're going up against a particularly good run defense and you're on the road, I feel like a game like yesterday where you're just not able to run the ball as much happens. And, you know, I know we got to talk about Jimmy G. There was a lot of interesting things that happened with him yesterday including mistakes that we've seen before. And I know we're going to touch on that. So I'll, I'll go back to you before we go there, unless you want to go there. No, yeah, we'll, we'll get to Jimmy. I mean, because I have thoughts on Jimmy. I always have thoughts on Jimmy. But I guess my issue Vish, is like, Kyle, my thing is with Kyle at this point. It's like, hey, your offense should not, I, I shouldn't, the word struggle is just, it's just for me, lack of better term, right? It shouldn't look like this when you're missing just one player. I know Debo is very, very valuable. Like, I understand that. But you still have a Brandon Ayuk. You still have George Kittle. You have guys like Juwan Jennings, who you've been touting the last couple of weeks that he's been improving. Trent Sherfield, we all knew about the, the training camp stuff. Oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's ahead of Ayuk. Yeah, whatever. Um, Ross Dwelly, you know, you have pass-catching weapons. Kyle Juszczyk gets wide open, right? You find ways to get him wide open. Like, I just don't understand how you can't, how you can't manufacture this run game to look 
close to what it was the last couple of weeks without Debo Samuel. I, the motions really do set it off for the Niners, right? The, the Debo with the, the orbit motion all the way around the, the quarterback, motion them into the backfield. Now you got guys all over the place freaking out. What are you doing? You're forcing other teams to play more nickel. And I think that was probably the biggest thing. I didn't, I didn't see very much nickel from the Seahawks in the rewatch. I've watched it twice so far. I'm going to watch the tape tonight all the way through. So I get that, but I, I guess my, my whole issue is just like, why is it when Debo is not in, you can't run the ball? Like, you're just not successful at running the ball. It's, it's super frustrating. And, you know, Elijah Mitchell was running into the backs of his offensive linemen. He wasn't seeing the holes correctly yesterday. Um, even before he was concussed, he had a couple of issues. He had a couple of nice runs, but for the most part, he was literally running into the back of Brunskill or into the back of Lakin. And it's just, it's super frustrating. So let me ask you this, right? Um, I think we all think there's a lot of, uh, not a lot, but I would say like, you know, four or five offensive minds that are truly brilliant in the NFL. And Kyle Shanahan is one of them. How did uh, Sean, uh, Sean Payton's offense look without Alvin Kamara in the last uh, couple weeks or so? Not very good. Yeah. No, I, I, get, what, I so, get what you're saying. I do. But also Sean Payton has Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon. And I would, I would argue that Jimmy Garoppolo is a better quarterback than two guys who should not be in the NFL playing quarterback. No, sure. That that's absolutely right. And I think we would have a better frame of reference, you know, if they had a league average starter, they still had Mike Thomas, Alvin Kamara got hurt. I'd love to see their uh, splits, but Alvin Kamara didn't get hurt with Drew Brees. So it's tough to say, but I, I do think like that's where, you know, the Niners offense didn't look bad, right? It just didn't look as good as it did the last two weeks. And I think that's the difference I'm trying to harp at, right? The Saints offense went from looking like average to terrible. Um, so, uh, yeah. No, that's fair. It's fine. I, I just I just have a hard time wrapping my head around the whole Debo Samuel. I get it. He's the engine that makes everything go. But I'm trying to find a good car analogy here in my head right now. I just can't because I still think you should be able to turn on that engine and at least push it through, right? Like the Niners are kind of pushing and get it, get it through the home stretch. Like, pop the clutch and go. Like whatever that, whoever the clutch might have been, maybe that was George or Ayuk or somebody else to get it to go through. And hopefully Debo's back because they're gonna need him versus Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a pretty good defense. They have a pretty good um, pass defense. The run defense is kind of kind of sketchy. We'll see how they look versus the Bengals. Hopefully Debo is back. Jimmy Garoppolo, he has been a topic of discussion since he's got here. Two major mistakes from Jimmy Garoppolo only cost them seven points on defense. I thought Jimmy played a typical Jimmy game. A couple nice throws, a couple mistakes, statue at times, sometimes a move out of the pocket. I don't, at this point, we know what he is. We know who he is. I can't even complain about him anymore. At this point, it's on Kyle for keep rolling him out there because we see it weekly, week in and week out. He's leaving plays on the field all over the place. Has he made some of the right reads? Yeah, of course. He's made some nice throws. He had a really nice throw to Ayuk late in the game. He had that really nice nice touch pass to Kittle late in the game on that 12-yard drive to end the game. Um, so, I mean, he's he, he did some nice things yesterday, but the mistakes are what really irk you. How do you think Jimmy looked yesterday? Uh, I thought he was very average. Um, if he had been playing solid the last three weeks, that's the word I would use to describe it. I thought he was... Uh, pretty mediocre in yesterday's game. I, I thought he really struggled with his accuracy throughout the game. Now his completion percentage ended up looking okay. And he played well in the final drive, but up till the final drive, I don't think I remember seeing two accurate passes in a row. It was erratic. It was up and down. It was all over the place. So um, I didn't think he played that well. Honestly, I thought the two interceptions were really bad. Both of them were on first down and in your own territory. That shouldn't happen. Uh, the first one, Interception that he threw, airmailing a ball over the middle of the field to a Kittle after the linebacker drops into the passing lane is the same pick he threw to Devin McCourty against New England. The second pick that he, or excuse me, that was the second pick. The first pick that he threw to Bobby Wagner, we saw that movie uh, one time against the uh, Minnesota Vikings, except Eric Kendricks dropped it. And we've seen similar type plays, you know, with Jordan Hicks, that interception and a few others where he's just totally missed the linebacker sitting in his passing window. So 
I think that was uh, pretty pathetic, honestly, because I thought it really hurt them in that football game, even though there was only nine points off his turnovers. Um, so overall, uh, I didn't think he played well. And, uh, you know, we can go through a list of reasons why uh, they lost. But to me, Jimmy Garoppolo's right there is a major reason in this case. Yeah, Jimmy's, Jimmy's definitely on the list of, of things that went wrong. Jimmy's on the list of reasons why they lost. You know, if I had to create a list, to me, it's special teams – the Niners corners. Well, not really. I shouldn't say the Niners corners. I should say Diameter Lenore. The minute Mosley went out, Johnson kind of settled in late in the game. And then Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Because Jimmy still, out, you know, those, those turnovers were bad, but the defense bailed him out once. Um, the other one resulted mm-hmm. in a seven points. So that, that, that would be my order. And then Kyle. Kyle's getting the fourth spot on that list because he, yeah. is, he is ultimately responsible for all all things on the field from special teams to the corner to still rolling out Jimmy Garoppolo at this point. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just beating a dead horse at this point. You know, we're in week 13 or 14, excuse me. We know who this kid, this guy is. We know the future's Trey Lance. He's going to be on the bench. We probably won't see Trey Lance the rest of the season. Um, Kyle had some interesting comments today uh, about the 49ers final drive, which was very, very interesting. Shout out to Rob. He, uh, he was going over some stuff in pre-pod. 49ers ran 26 offensive plays in the second half. 12 of them were on the final drive. So let's get to that final drive, right? The question today in Kyle's uh, phone conference was, was there any temptation to put Lance in for any of those final four plays down by the goal line? Kyle Shanahan, no, not at all. At that time in the game, we had just gone in 98 yards on a drive, and we're not going to put Trey in, who hasn't played in a month. I don't think that would have been right for him at all, or to our team. The to our team part sticks with me. Now, I'm going to get into a little conspiracy mode here, right? The our team part. Week one, Niners get down into the uh, red zone of the Detroit Lions. Who comes in? Trey Lance. Scalps the first touchdown of the season from Jimmy Garoppolo. Pass to Trent Sherfield, touchdown. Week four, the only reason the Niners score in the first half is because of a major kickoff return. And they couldn't get in to the end zone in four plays or five plays. It took a while to get in. Here comes Trey Lance, another red zone touchdown. Is there maybe a locker room issue here where they're like, hey, Kyle, you're undermining his leadership on this team or you're undermining your starting quarterback or it's just not a good look, right? You know, we have running, running backs don't give a crap about this stuff. I, I think maybe they do. Do you think that maybe some vets in the locker room may have gone to Kyle and said, hey, maybe scrap this Trey Lance package in the red zone or scrap the Trey Lance package because I'm not buying what Kyle is selling when he talked about last week where he loses rhythm. So you mean to tell me, I love Kyle, I love Kyle Shanahan. Let's, let's be very clear. You mean to tell me the offensive genius that Kyle Shanahan is can't somehow get Trey Lance in between the 20s, but he can only get him in, in the 20s and... Now that might have caused an issue with your quarterback, maybe a Debo Samuel, maybe George didn't like it, Trent Williams. Like, am I off? Maybe, maybe I am, but he is a net positive. He's a net, Trey Lance is a net positive. I think it's a great question, and I think you're the one that should be answering it, honestly, because I think you know whether you're right or wrong here. So I'll I'll leave the floor to you. No, I, I do believe. I do believe there's something there, right? Because you have, you've seen the red zone package with Trey Lance, right? We've seen it. It works. Four, you have four downs to get it in, 23 to 30. You need this game. I don't care what anyone says. You need this game. You score there. You tie it. You give your defense the opportunity to go out there one more time and try to stop Russell Wilson in overtime. Or maybe you get the ball back first, right? You're setting yourself up to win a game here. I'm sorry, locker room guys or veterans, if you want to win, because most of you veterans have not won on this team, except for 2019, maybe put in the guy who gives you the best opportunity to score in the red zone. All training camp from Mr. Mr. Spreadsheet himself and the Grand Cones of the world and, and um, Matt Barrows and Mayoka and all the guys talked about how efficient Trey Lance was in the red zone during training camp. And you mean to tell me you don't want to put him in there because he hasn't played in a month or our team wouldn't feel right about it. I'm not buying what Kyle's selling. 
I'm calling bullshit on that one. Sorry, Rob, you got to edit that. Yeah, um, honestly, I think there's something to it. Uh, do I think Trey Lance is the best red zone weapon on this team? Yes, honestly, I do. I, I, I mean, look, George Kittle has caught a lot of touchdowns this season. I, I've used this stat before, and I, I think it doesn't get enough attention. In George Kittle's first four years of, of, in the NFL, he was only targeted inside of the end zone 10 times. This year, he has four touchdown receptions inside of the end zone. And I think it's important because, you know, George Kittle is one of the best. He's been the best offensive player on this team the last four years. And for him to have only four, 10 targets inside the end zone to me is insane. Uh, I feel like Travis Kelsey gets 10 targets inside the end zone in five games in a season. So I think it needed to be pointed out. And so... You know, like, he's been good in the red zone this year. But my point is, like, you know, Debo or George Kittle, these guys, in years past, they have not scored uh, excessive amount of touchdowns in the red zone. Like, in years past, this team has not been historically efficient in the red zone. This year, they are. And they're doing it without Trey Lance, which is shocking, because I really do believe he's their best weapon in the red zone. I think having a quarterback that can run and throw is, is it's really difficult to stop in the red zone because it gives you 11 on 11 in the run game, but then you still have the pass game wide open for you. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if I, you know, to, to, to give another option there, Debo has been ex- exceptional in the red zone because you have those jet sweeps and those, you know, those uh, running, running plays that they're running with him um, in within the 10 yard line that are working or within the 20 yard line that, that are working. Um, my only pushback is on Kyle, you know, saying the way he said it, you know, for Trey Lance and our team, like that just makes me think like, did someone go say something to him? And I think somebody did. And I think there is, there is something there too. You know, you have, I always go, I always reference Steve Young, right? Steve Young had some stuff said before the Rams game that was very, very, you know, to me that spoke pretty loudly how he, he spoke about it. His team was had kind of lost direction. They didn't know what they were doing, who was coming, who's coming, who's going. Right. And you, you kind of sense that stuff with the locker room. It's been my whole thing this throughout this whole process. I think Kyle, has managed this thing as best as he could, but I think he undervalued the the emotional factor with this team, right? These guys only have won with Jimmy Garoppolo, and then you throw in this third round pick, third overall pick after you trade all these assets up, and then you're telling the team, yeah, we're going to make a Super Bowl run. If you were doing that, then you should have stayed at 12 and took, I don't know, a Micah Parsons or a, a Patrick Sertain. You know, like we've, I think we've been, we've all had this discussion before. No team who thinks they're going to go to the Super Bowl again makes that kind of trade. Right, you could have stayed at twelve and took a Mac Jones. You know, cough, cough. Um, you know who does? There is one team that did it. Who? Green Bay Packers thought they were going to the Super Bowl. Traded up for Jordan Love too, oh, yeah. same year. And what did people say? You're not getting better right now. Yeah, exactly. But with the Niners, they have this grand plan where they'll compete this year. They don't need help from their number three overall pick this year. And then the next few years, they'll win with Trey Lance. I've had people tweet at me in the past. It's not that Jimmy can't win one Super Bowl. It's that you can win five with Trey Lance. Yeah, right. Like, Aaron Rodgers has one Super Bowl. Russell Wilson has one Super Bowl. Drew Brees has one Super Bowl. The likelihood of winning five with Trey Lance is very, very slim. We were a third and or second, third and 15 away from winning one, right? Or just a, just completing the third and 15 just to get there. Um, I, I pumped the brakes on the Trey Lance stuff let him develop and let's just maybe just win 10 games for the next 10 years. How about we just start there? That would be great. Make the playoffs every year. Be Seattle Seahawks. Like if you only get one in 10 years, that's awesome. Make the playoffs consistently. That would be great too. That way you don't have to worry about, oh, who are we picking in the top five? I'm tired of picking in the top five or top 10. Like let's pick in the 20s, 25 or higher. So let's not set the bar too high for Trey. Can they get there? Maybe. I think Kyle's the right guy for it. I think they have the ability to build a roster. Do they have some questionable decisions on their roster construction? Of course, right? Um, But at the end of the day, I think this locker room really needs to suck it up with this whole quarterback decision. If you don't like what Kyle's doing, then sayonara. You know, Uh, I I don't want to hear this. Well, we're we're undermining Jimmy Garoppolo or whatever, whatever the case may be. When if you want to win games, you might just play, play your best players, right? You want to put, okay. put your best player out there in the red zone. Let me let me defend the locker room here because here's the thing, Javi, and I think this is something that people forget about. 
The roster that's currently on the 49ers, this is their last hurrah, right? This is the core from 2019's last yep. hurrah. A lot of them are veteran players who've had injuries in the past. They're back because last year's market, not many teams had cap space to even spend in it. So they came back for a one-year deal, and they're probably going to get a next big payday somewhere else as the cap goes up. There's a lot of veteran players on this team. I think they only have 32 of their 53 coming back, and I think – well, a lot of their starters and core players that we've seen a big part of this core, there's a good chance that they're not here next year. Um, so I think when you have a team that's got its last hurrah, that believes they got, got screwed last year because all those injuries, it was unlucky, and they want to bring it back and prove that they're the team that they were in 2019, and then you have a coaching staff in front office that's drafted a quarterback that was widely considered a developmental prospect, and you're trying to move on with them, I think that's where you, it's the thing you brought about, right? Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have managed this as well as you can manage it, but it's an impossibly difficult situation to manage because of the way you put it together. Yeah, absolutely. You have a bunch of, you have a bunch of guys on one-year deals. You know, the, the, way the, the way the season was going, you could probably think that maybe some guys are going to make business decisions and some guys were going to, you know, do what's best for them, which is fine. I don't blame them. Because the NFL is not for long. So get your money, make your plays, do what you need to do to help earn yourself another contract elsewhere or even with the team. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, they, the, the Kyle and John have handled this as best they can. Do I think they made mistakes along the way? <clears throat> Absolutely. But we'll see how this goes. They got Cincinnati next week. Hopefully they get there. We had a lot of negatives, right, about this game. Let's get to some positives here. So I want to get to a clip from... Dante Whitner on NBC Sports Bay Area from Sunday. The bright spot for the 49ers in this, in this game was their defensive line. They attacked Arden Key, Bosa coming off the edge, consistent pressure. That's a bright spot moving forward. The defense, Vish. DJ Jones, absolute monster yesterday. Aziz Alshair stepped in admirably in the absence of Fred Warner. Um, before we get to all the positives, I. Just, I don't know if there's a hot take or just a take. The loss of Emmanuel Mosley was more impactful than the loss of Fred Warner yesterday. Agree? No, I don't. I, I thought the, I don't. I, I thought the loss of it, Fred Warner was impactful. Obviously, I think you know Flanagan Fowles and Aziz Alshier for the most part played admirably, as you mentioned to quote you. But um, I don't think it was. I, I thought Lenore struggled. But when Dante Johnson was back reinserted for Lenore after that one drive, I didn't feel like Seattle's offense really had anything going on offense. So, you know, Mosley was a massive loss. He's played really well all year. But I, I thought Dante Johnson, you know, did enough in that game where if Fred Warner had played, you know, maybe Fred Warner makes one more play. I mean, the defense made a lot of plays. Al Shahir was fantastic. But Fred Warner is a really, really special defensive <laughs> player. Fred is elite. Um, I guess my whole thing with the Emmanuel Mosley thing is the minute he got hurt is they went directly at Diamond or Lenore. So that drive or whatever, that sequence of eight or nine plays was huge because Demo wasn't settled in. And I think after the half is when they went to Dante Johnson. So that, because Emmanuel Mosley went out. No, that's fair. That's, that's, that, fair, that, that's I, I guess fair. that's my point. I, I yeah. understand because I agree with you because Dante Johnson kind of settled in nicely to end the game, but there was that gap when Mosley went out and prior to Johnson going in, that was more impactful to me than Fred Warner missing the game because Aziz was just, I, I mean, that was all pro level football from a guy who was undrafted, who the reason he was undrafted is because he had an ACL tear. He is slowly, I shouldn't say slow, he's rapidly climbing up the depth chart, and I don't think there is a path for Drake Greenlaw to get his job back. I think all three together would be fantastic. No, absolutely. It's a great problem to have. I think you got to keep all three. I think you have an asset there with Greenlaw, though, if you need to add additional picks or do something. Um, DJ Jones is a free agent at the end of the year. I think he had his best game of his career yesterday. That is somebody that I hope they bring back. Like, he is part of the 2017 draft class. He's been on this team for five years now. That is someone you have to bring back. Not only does his dad have really good barbecue sauce, and he's sent me a whole bunch of stuff, I just really enjoy DJ Jones as a 
defensive tackle, nose tackle. He does he does all the dirty work. We saw him versus the Rams in that punt, that uh, fake punt tackle. He had the big sack on Russell Wilson that went for like, was it? They lost thirty yards or something on that play. Like, yeah, it was Bosa. That, that was Bosa. Bosa. That's right. Bosa popped the ball out. He had the force fumble on the screen though. Yeah, exactly. So DJ Jones playing well. Nick Bosa had his hell, had a hell of a game. Uh, Jordan Willis, big sack late in the game. So the defensive Arden line, Key. Arden Key had a nice sack in the game. That's four sacks for Arden Key in five games. The defensive line had, I think, its best game of the season. And the linebackers look really good. Kwaski had a decent game. Jimmy Ward, that's your guy. He had a good game. The defense played well, considering all the mistakes from special teams and offense. So I'm not here to hear any negative about the defense this week. Like, yeah, I thought, I thought the defense was fantastic, and they gave the offense. In this game, should have been done right. The offense should have never gotten the 99 yard chance, but it was an incredible play by Aziz Alshair that provided that opportunity. So I thought the defense was excellent. Checo, you, um, I really thought they played fantastic. Um, to talk to you about DJ Jones, I think he will be re-signed. And the reason I do think he'll be re-signed is this offseason, right? The 49ers had a mid-level exception to a sign. It's where instead of playing a guy the league minimum as a veteran, you can pay him a $4.5 million salary for this year. They had guys like Kwan Williams come back. They had guys like Jaquaski Tart come back. You know, guys who've been excellent players for them for an extended period of time. They gave the mid-level exception to DJ Jones, which tells you how much they value him and how good they think he is. Yeah, that's... DJ is a valuable piece. Um, he is someone I want him to extend, give him a two, three year contract along with Lake and Tomlinson, make sure he's signed too. like, those are the two mm-hmm. in, those are the two most important in-house free agents. I think that are on this team. You need to bring both of them back. Um, Josh Norman outside of his celebration after getting beat, I thought he played. Okay. That's going to be, a, you know, a take that people are not going to like. I see the the face. I don't. I didn't think he played terrible, but this is who Josh Norman is at his career in his point in his career. And, I, and I've been the guy who wants Josh Norman off this team. But the coverage, like you, you said, it the coverage wasn't terrible outside of that gap when Lenore was in. The coverage was shaky. What did you think of Josh Norman this week? Josh Norman's always been a topic of discussion on this pod and pretty much everywhere you see Niners conversations. What did you think of Josh? So I'm going to be controversial with, with you. I, I thought the secondary on the whole, in the corners especially, you're getting too much criticism. I think their one big issue this season was the pass interference, and they fixed that. I mean, they're getting beat, sure, but people act like because, you know, Josh Norman has been on the downside since 2015. You know, he struggled in his career at a lot of different points. You know, Washington, a little bit with Buffalo last year, this year with the Niners, and, you know, um, Dante Johnson's a league journeyman because those are the names they think that, you know, they're somehow giving up more plays than the standard corner gives up t- in a typical game to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, who are both fantastic wide receivers. I actually think given especially who they're starting and the expectations we have for them, the Niners corners have really played well for the most part, especially once they fix their uh, pass interference issue. The one game I thought they were really getting burnt up and down was last week and Kirk Cousins had a bad game. So I didn't feel like Justin Jefferson got the justice that he did for the type of game he had, in my opinion. Like, I thought last week if Kirk Cousins was accurate um, and more comfortable, he, Justin Jefferson could have had the same 11-182 two touchdowns that he had this week. So that's the one game. But I think the Niners' corners overall have gotten too much criticism, honestly. Like, sure, they're not starting the greatest personnel, but those guys are actually playing decent, okay football. It's league wide. You see corners are having issues all over the league, right? If you don't have, it's hard to have just one good corner. Like our one good corner, we lost in week one. Emmanuel Mosey stepped up admirably. He's been playing outstanding football. He hasn't allowed a touchdown all season. Josh Norman for all of his penalties. I think he's only, I think all his penalties combined are like under 70 yards. It's really weird. Right. And then he has the seven force fumbles. He has the one interception. That's a kind of a cheap interception. We were there in Chicago, Vish, when Fields just chucked it up. Um, right, right. So he's had eight turnover-worthy plays. I mean, he's not a guy that I want on this team next year, so whatever. But the secondary hasn't been terrible. Jimmy Ward is doing his thing. Kwaski Tar looks good. Hufanga played a pretty good game on Sunday. So to end the show on positives, the defense 
has done its part for the most part this season. D'Amico Ryans has done an outstanding job considering he is down his all-pro linebacker this week. He lost his Pro Bowl-worthy or you know all-pro when he was healthier uh, corner in Jason Verrett. Um, Ward being hurt for one game. Kwaski had missed time. You know, you don't have a second pass rusher. D Ford has been out in and out of the lineup. So they're making it work. Do I want to see some more creativity with their blitz packages? Yeah, that's me nitpicking at this point. But defensively, they had a really good game against Seattle, and they've been pretty damn good all season. Uh, if anyone follows DVOA from Football Outsiders, they've been a top 10 unit for most of the season. Um, the passing defense has been in the 20s, however, but that's part of the reason is the penalties that they've received. So I think we're gonna, I think we should, for those folks who are calling for D'Amico Ryan's head, we got to chill out because the defense only gave up seven points on three turnovers by the offense and special teams. And all three of those turnovers were on short fields. So defensively, they've done a really good job. Um, the Niners are on to Cincinnati. They will be facing a Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase-led offense with a shaky offensive line. We saw the... Um, Chargers get after them. I think they had over 20 pressures on Sunday as a unit on defense. The Niners should be able to replicate that model. Vish, how do you think this game will you know shake out versus Cincinnati? Uh, I'm not sure yet. Honestly, I haven't watched a lot of Cincinnati this season, so I want to do that before I give you an uh, answer on where I think it'll go. The one thing I will say is um, I-, I think that uh, Cincinnati's offense – is going to give the Niners defense or it's capable of giving the Niners defense some real trouble just because of the three receivers they have. And it's difficult to match up with Jamar Chase, uh, T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. They're very, very good. And I think Cincinnati's offense or defense, excuse me, is very aggressive. And I think without Debo Samuel, it can uh, cause some problems. I mean, that's kind of my preliminary look just based on, you know, the little I've seen of Cincinnati and some of the stats I've seen. But uh, I, I want to take a bigger look. But definitely, I mean, Cincinnati is seven and f- eight or seven and five. Excuse me. So like, sure, nobody's uh, discounting the fact that they're a good team. But they're really a seven and five team. It's their record isn't misleading. They're really, really good. And so it'll be a tough battle for the Niners for sure. Yeah, Cincinnati um, to me is kind of like the Niners, right? They'll blow you out one game and then lose a really stupid game like they lost to the Jets, kind of like the Niners lost to Arizona to Colt McCoy, and then they'll do what they did last week against the Chargers. They go down, they start making a comeback. Um, offensively, they're very talented, and that's kind of where I get a little nervous because if if Emmanuel Mosley can't play this week, that's a, tough, that's a tall task with Higgins and Chase. Um, Fred Warner is expected to play on Sunday. There is an expectation that Debo Samuel should be able to go on Sunday as well. So hopefully that is a plus there. I think the Niners can win this game on Sunday, and they have to win this game. You want to make the playoffs, you need to win this game. You need to go at least 3-2 and two or 4-1 and one down the stretch to give yourself the opportunity at the sixth seed um, and hopefully get a favorable or a decent matchup in the, in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, Vish, before we get you out of here and before we leave, how do you think the rest of the season plays out with, with, with what's remaining on the schedule? Yeah, looking at the schedule, I think the one game I think they're going to lose for sure is Tennessee. I yeah. think Tennessee is a good football team, and I just think, you know, having to go across country in a short week on a Thursday, to me, that's kind of a schedule loss. If they win that game, I'd be shocked and, like, extremely impressed. And impressed not because I don't think the 49ers are, you know, a pretty good football team. It's more or less because of the way the scheduling works out. It's an impossible game for a West Coast team. But um, otherwise, besides that – um. I think even if they lose to Cincinnati, I think they'll win against Houston for sure. I think they got a good shot of beating the Rams uh, week 17, especially given that the Rams might have been lo- might have locked up the five seed and have nothing to play for at, at that point. And I think they got a really, really good shot um, in their uh, other game against Atlanta as well. So, you know, I think the Niners are winning three of the last uh, five for sure. Um, maybe they'll win four, maybe they can even win five. But I, I see Atlanta, Houston, and uh, the Rams as three games the Niners can win for sure, and I definitely see them as a six or seven seed. Yeah, I think this house can play. I think, you know, before the season started, I had them at 10 and 7, 11, 
11 and 6. They're right on pace to get to that 11 and se- uh, 10 and 10 and 7 cuz I think I agree with you there too. That's a really tough game in Tennessee. Short week, travel from the Atlanta game, Christmas week, go play in Tennessee. It's going to be probably a little bit colder West Coast teams. We don't know how Jimmy Garoppolo performs in the cold. You know, who knows where they are by that point as well. So I mean, the Niners to me, I feel like the Niners are going to make the playoffs. The Vikings losing this week is a big help to them. Philadelphia doesn't really too much concern me because they still have to play Dallas. They have to play Washington still. So those are tough games for them. The Niners should st- should make the playoffs, and I think that's a very important thing for Kyle Shanahan in his career as a 49er. Right? You have to make the playoffs. Two playoff appearances in five years. Okay, you got a little bit of breathing room, Kyle. So we'll see how this goes. 49ers travel to Cincinnati this week. Hopefully get Debo Samuel all the way back. Fred Warner is expected to play. Elijah Mitchell is in concussion protocol. Trent Cannon is on his way back to San Francisco. For those of you who did not see the report, he is he's you know he is okay. He had a major concussion. No other uh, issues recorded. News. Yeah, because I thought he was that was just scary. First play of the game, ambulance is out. I'm like, oh my god. So Trent Cannon is back in San Francisco. That is a plus. Uh, Vish, thank you for coming on, man. Last minute, we appreciate you filling in for Leo. For those of you, for those who don't know who you are, where can they find you? YouTube, you know, Instagram, Twitter, where, where can they find you, Vish? Once again, thank you so much for having me. Always an honor to be on with the Niners uh, Nation Football Network. You, Rob, Leo, all of you guys do an amazing job. Uh, so make sure you're getting, subscribing or following. Oh, hey, there. It's the, one of the best Niners podcasts out there. Leo and Javi are fantastic. But uh, you can find me at Vish Kumar on Twitter. Uh, I usually talk Niners on there, Talk, try to talk more than just the Niners. But I end up talking about the Niners. I get called a Jimmy Garoppolo hater, even though, like, I don't think I've said anything hateful about Jimmy Garoppolo. Not like uh, my friend, Mr. Rob Guerrera, on the other hand. And then um, uh, the uh, other place you can find me is I have a YouTube channel with my buddy Blake. It's Blake and Bish Sports. Uh, we usually talk all things NFL there. We haven't streamed in a minute because this semester has been very busy for both of us. So we're both college students, but... Please subscribe, and we'll be streaming again soon, and you can definitely uh, find us there. Thanks, Vish. We appreciate you. As always, follow me on Twitter at JavierVake underscore. Make sure you're following the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Make sure to check out everything at Niners Nation. Rob, uh, Michelle, Levin, KP, Akash, all the guys out there. We do appreciate everyone tuning in every week to all the shows. Over a million downloads this year. We really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you for the support. And uh, we'll be back next Monday. Hopefully Leo is back. If not, we'll get you another guest. And Leo might lose his job this week. It's all right. Uh, But until, until next week, everyone be safe. Enjoy the rest of the week. Go Niners. Peace.